You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter, and of course you can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. Not only are we included in this great network, but a ton of other great podcasts, including Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Anthony Servino of FF, FF Faceoff, and many, many others. And you can find all of these great podcasts on FullTimeFantasy.com. Go there and get all of your fantasy needs and advice. All right, guys, we are finally here. We have made it. The NFL season kicks off this Thursday, tomorrow starts technically the new season. Tuesday, everybody's going to be getting ready. You got waiver claims. Everybody likely has already done their fantasy drafts this past weekend or some today. I know I have two online drafts today to finish up my drafting season on top of one Friday with the Fantasy Football World Championships, which me and Dennis will be there for. We cannot wait. On this weekend, we will be live, the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast from Radio Row at the Palms Resort in Las Vegas, again for the FFWC, the Fantasy Football World Championships, we can not wait. It should be a ton of fun. So check us out on Twitter, me at SportsFanaticMB, and of course Dennis at Culture underscore Coach. We will be doing all kinds of live po- live podcast live podcasting. My goodness, guys, live podcasting. I will do this podcast live, but I'll be doing some live Twitter stuff as well, just kind of show you guys what it's like being out there in those massive draft rooms with all these some of the best players in the world. Obviously, watching games. We got a bunch of great college games going on this weekend as well. So, for today's episode, though, I'm going to be 100% upfront with you guys, as I tend to be, or try to be at least. Uh, a lot of the episode you guys will hear today was pre-recorded with me, Mr. Matthew Fox, and our new guy who's going to be joining us on Thursdays, a new co-host in Tony Dwyer. You can find him at Commissioner MR. Of course, you can always find Matt, Mr. Matthew Fox, on Twitter at Nighthawk7734. 
We were pre-recorded this just a couple days ago. It's just a bunch of team grades and trade advice from a bunch of people who hit us up on Twitter. You know, we had talked about doing it on Thursday, and then we had to push it back due to the college preview stuff. So we apologize about that, but we are getting it out here today. So all that stuff is pre-recorded. However, we obviously had a ton of news go down this weekend when it came to trades and as well as some cuts and uh, players moving to different teams that are affecting now fantasy values for a lot of players. So because of that, I'm jumping on here today, and I will be joined here in just a minute by Mr. Matthew Fox, and we will kind of go over those trades and cuts that are changing the fantasy landscape for any of you who have drafts coming up today. Um, you know, if you have them Tuesday, I know some people actually do them on Wednesday the day before, which is probably the best way to do it because you know you're not going to get any injuries on Thursday until the games start uh, getting played. Uh, but we will give you guys kind of our outlooks and the way we view that stuff happening for this season. So without further ado, I'm going to jump mad on here, and we're going to start talking about all all the news that came out this weekend. All right, Matt, thank you so much for joining me today to do some quick uh, breaking news and talking about a lot of stuff that happened over the weekend. It was kind of a, a crazy weekend, at least for for one team when it came to some trades and then obviously cuts and everything. Uh, how was your weekend? It was pretty good. You know, it's always one of the toughest and most interesting weekends of the year when you get to see who makes the 53s and if there's going to be any surprise cuts so I don't know if it's probably a little bit like you I was glued to my phone most of the day Saturday and Sunday seeing how it all came together and it was uh, amazing some of the moves that were made oh yeah I mean just before we jump into those I'll I'll, I'll just tell you right now how crazy it was before I had a huge uh, a work draft on Saturday afternoon it started at 12 o'clock central time for me so obviously the shady news broke like an hour and a half to two hours before the draft happened that he was going to be cut so going in everybody was like well I thought everybody was I ended up getting Singletary in the eighth round which I thought was fantastic value but you had a Obviously, everybody goes in, okay, Singletary's probably going to be the guy. And then during that whole draft process, all the news starts coming out about Zeke possibly signing a new deal, which we'll get to. And then Shady possibly landing with, at the time, it was the Texans or Chargers or Chiefs. And then we obviously saw what happened with all that stuff. So let's just jump right into it and start with the Chargers side. They came out, Tom Telesero came out and said that they are not going to negotiate with Melvin Gordon uh, throughout this season. If he wants to get a new contract with the Chargers, it will not be until next year, at the end of next season. So obviously that really, in my opinion, kind of kills Melvin Gordon's values. Your thoughts on Melvin Gordon moving forward in the 2019 season? Yeah, I think uh, I saw a tweet from Matthew Berry that I think really summed it up best. If you're drafting Melvin Gordon at this point in time, uh, especially in redraft, you have to draft him with the idea that he's a late flyer and anything you get from him is going to be a bonus. I really, I have said for a couple of weeks, I thought he was lining up to be this year's Le'Veon Bell and nothing that's happened since then has really changed my mind. He's in a little better shape than some of those people that are on franchise tags because yeah. they have to sign the tag in order to be traded and that's all they can play for. Gordon, there is flexibility if somebody wanted to make a move for him and wanted to give him a contract. But at this point in time, I think barring some kind of injuries or a late season run that's not going to happen and it made me really excited because on Saturday we 
published a piece on the blog where we all kind of picked our guesses for uh, award winners. And one of the ones that we uh, predict is fantasy MVP. Uh-huh. And I went with Justin Jackson. I stepped out on a limb and said Justin Jackson. Because to me, fantasy MVP is the guy that's either undrafted or goes at the bottom end of your draft that returns great value. Last year, right. that would have been Philip Lindsay, who was oh, basically yeah. undrafted and came out and was a star running back. And I feel like the ADP that for Justin Jackson going along before, unless you're drafting like today, had been really low. And he was my prediction for being fantasy MVP, the guy that was going to return that value. And I think we're in really good shape because it's basically looks like it's going to be him and Eckler and that the Chargers are satisfied and they're going to roll with that. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that already answers my next question was, uh, would you rather have Eckler or Jackson? I mean, for me, it's Jackson based on the ADP you just mentioned. And, and I don't know, obviously, that that report came out late yesterday, I believe, the Tom Telesero thing. So last night I actually had another draft. I did a redraft last night where I got Justin Jackson in the 14th round. So I still feel like he's going pretty late, at least compared to Eckler, because yeah. everybody is viewing Eckler as the guy. I'm right there with you. I'd rather have Justin Jackson. I just think he's the better running back. Uh, so I'm assuming that you would take him as well with him being your, your possible pick for fantasy MVP this year. Yeah, because, I mean, we've seen Eckler go kind of up in the middle of rounds, and I think he's fine, but we saw last year what he is. I like the upside of Justin Jackson, and like I said, you can get him down near the end of drafts. He was a great stash for me most of uh, this summer, and I can't wait to see those shares pay off. Yeah, I mean, that that right there is what really has angled me toward him in all my drafts because Eckler, I've seen him going anywhere from the 6th to ninth round. I would rather grab some other players there and then take the upside of Justin Jackson that you just mentioned way later in the draft. Speaking of guys with upside, Tony Pollard. Right now it looks like he's going to be the starting running back for the Dallas Cowboys week one. There were a lot of reports that came out this weekend that the Cowboys and Zeke were headed toward a deal. It looked like it was going to happen sooner rather than later, at least before the season. The Zeke has actually returned to Dallas. He was at the star on Saturday. But then there's also been some reports coming out that both are getting kind of frustrated with each other's side and everything, regardless of what happens. In my opinion, even if Zeke signs today, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, chances are he is not going to play week one. Or if he does, he's going to be on an extremely small workload. You had just mentioned to me before we started recording that the Cowboys have also signed another back off their practice squad, which also to me indicates that they're probably not going to play him week one. So what are your thoughts? Uh, are you? I'm assuming you're more optimistic on Zeke's outlook for 2019 and then your thoughts on Tony Pollard moving forward for at least week one and do you think he retains any fantasy value if Zeke comes back after that so I think uh, basically the reports today really made it seem like uh, Zeke and the Cowboys are kind of at an impasse still I think a quote from one of his agents they asked you know what's holding it up at this point and they said everything sounds a little bit like where they've been for the last few weeks kind of going back and forth I still think it gets done I I never thought Zeke was going to miss a whole season but I wouldn't be surprised if he misses a couple of weeks here Mm -hmm. I think we see him at least sign back before the end of September in my opinion the absolute worst for fantasy owners would be if Zeke signs tomorrow or Wednesday or Thursday because I think he would play some I doubt they would deactivate him because he's been saying all along he's ready, and obviously he should know the offense. Though they did change offensive coordinators, so there are a few questions about that. But that, to me, would be the worst because you would expect there's going to be some kind of a mix with Tony Pollard, but what's it going to be and who's going to produce what and 
that would be a really tough call. Without him, I think uh, Tony Pollard's probably an RB2 this week. Very excited to see him play. The Giants, not an incredible offense or defense. And they're at home, so that should be kind of a, a good matchup. Uh, if Zeke doesn't play, um, Alfred Morris will probably mix in there some. But I think we really saw in preseason they like Tony Pollard. He ran with the ones. He ran really well. Barring an injury or some rookie thing where he put the ball on the ground, I think you would see him get a lion's share of the work, and I think it would actually be pretty good. What's going to be interesting is seeing them go forward. I still believe once Zeke is there and fully settled into a groove, he's going to get pretty much all the snaps. That's the way it's been going for Dallas. But I think that there's definitely a possibility for a couple of weeks with him coming in where Pollard gets some work. Whether that's enough work for you to feel comfortable starting him, even at a flex, is another question. Um, Really, I think you'd have to see the kind of timeshare the first week they go in, kind of see some of the tea leaves. The other thing that you can always keep in mind, even when Zeke comes back and takes on the workload, I wouldn't give up on Pollard. He's somebody I would keep and stash because we've seen before these guys that miss all of camp, that roll in there, even though you're training and doing the work, it's not the same as being there in training camp and practicing all the time. We've seen before guys that held out for a while that come back that suffer an injury once they're in yeah. games. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's always a possibility. So I think uh, the greatest thing for those who have invested in Pollard would be able to see him play this week with no Ezekiel Elliott and get a feel for how much they trust him and how much they're willing to lean on him. When Zeke comes back full strength, I don't know that I'd ever feel comfortable starting him, but I would hold on to him. Yeah, I'm right there with you on holding on to him because we have seen, as you just mentioned, a lot of soft tissue injuries when these guys try and come back. And I understand that he's been working out in Cabo, and Zeke's always been a very phenomenal athlete. So I don't want to say that he's you know above or below anybody else who's ever held out, but as you mentioned so eloquently there, being, at, being there and playing in camp and in preseason games, or at least being there with the team and practicing is 10 times different than being in Cabo by yourself. I, I understand that he's been – I can't remember who the, the running back he's been working out with, but he, he is a Hall of Famer, and, and that's great, but it's just a completely different scenario. So I'm right there with you. Even if Zeke comes back and they say, hey, he's getting the full workload come week two, you need to hold on to Tony Pollard. Or if you're the Zeke owner and you see Pollard get dropped, grab him as soon as you can because there's no guarantee that Zeke stays healthy. And even if he does, we might see the Cowboys move something to what we saw with Gurley a little bit last year and kind of back him off that full workload toward the end of the season, especially with them having playoff and Super Bowl hopes. So Tony Pollard may get a bigger run when the fantasy playoffs come around as well. The biggest cut we saw this weekend was Shady McCoy. So we have both talked about it. I know Dennis has talked about it with me as well. We all thought that Shady McCoy was likely going to get cut just due to his cap hit for the Buffalo Bills. He got cut. Devin Singletary, the clear guy there now. I know a lot of people are still talking up Frank Gore. And while I do think Frank Gore is going to have a role there, I think Devin Singletary is going to be the guy. Phenomenal back out of FAU. Uh, you know, didn't do so good in the combine, and that's what dropped his stock a little bit. But I think he still has a chance to be a rock star this year and, and possibly even compete for rookie of the year, at least on the AFC side. I think it's going to be kind of hard to beat out Kyler Murray on the NFC side. But do you have any thoughts on Buffalo's backfield before we move on to where Shady McCoy went? Yeah, I'm not big on Buffalo in general, I'll say that, but uh, 
I do think Singletary is the back that I want to own. I've grabbed Frank Gore a couple of places where I'm really thin on running backs. He's like a bench stash to me. I think we've seen what he is the last couple of years, both in Indianapolis and then in Miami. Um, it's amazing that he's still productive and that he's still hanging on, but I don't think he's really a threat to give you a lot of production if you're desperate during bye weeks or other times like that and you need somebody to give you five to six points. That's who I'd put in. Singletary is a guy that we've liked a lot as a prospect, and I think the move to uh, let McCoy go is really a nod toward him being ready and toward them being excited to see what he can do in a feature role. Yeah, and, and really quick before we move on to Shady, T.J. Yeldon, he is a great receiving back. He is also there in that backfield. I would not be surprised if he actually gets a fair amount of work in the receiving game, and he's another guy, much like Justin Jackson, you can get extremely late in drafts or even go undrafted. So a guy to watch if you're in a deep league and you want to stash a guy who might have some upside at the running back position. Shady McCoy lands with the Kansas City Chiefs. That was... Kind of surprising to me. Again, I talked about they were talking about him going to the Chargers or Houston. Houston made a trade to kind of not make that happen, and we'll get to all of Houston's moves here in a minute. Shady McCoy going to KC obviously, for me, kills Darwin Thompson's value, at least for now. Um, I would not drop Darwin Thompson. I am, as uh, I know Matt is as well, not necessarily a huge believer in Damian Williams. Darwin Thompson, a phenomenal back, could end up taking over Damian Williams' spot, but right now it looks like Shady and Damian will be splitting the carries, Darwin Thompson being the uh, the distant third. What are your thoughts on Shady landing here and, and the backfield split between him and Damian Williams? Yeah, I think if you took Damian Williams, that was like the worst case scenario for you because this is a running back who has a history with Andy Reid and somebody who obviously they were going to go out and get in who has a real challenge for meaningful role that you never had with Carlos Hyde, uh, who they shipped out. For me, I agree with uh, you about Darwin Thompson. I think he still has value in Dynasty. I'm hanging on to him in redraft, though. Given the way everything's shaking out, I'm actually am letting him go. Okay. I did uh, drop him. I actually dropped him in one league and picked up McCoy. Oh, very nice. Yeah, so I'll just... Uh... I drafted Darwin Thompson in uh, the ninth round in that redraft I was talking about earlier where I got Devin Singletary in the eighth. Uh, And I'm holding him for now. Actually, funny enough, the guy who had Damian Williams drafted Shady McCoy on a whim very late in that draft, just assuming he was going to get picked picked up somewhere, and and turned out he went to the Kansas City Chiefs, which I thought was a little bit funny that that happened to him. So he has obviously both those guys there. I just don't. My one fear with Shady is is as good as he has been in out throughout his entire career, and I understand Buffalo wasn't a great team last year, even though they they you know made the playoffs a couple of years ago. They really struggled last year with Josh Allen. Shady McCoy has really kind of been coming down the past couple of years, and Damian Williams has an injury history. So if you have the bench depth, I personally would hold Darwin Thompson. If you don't, I have no issue with you dropping him. Again, we have uh, we have an eight-man bench, and I have plenty of other players. I'm, I'm someone who doesn't roster a backup tight end and quarterback, for instance, because I'd rather just pick somebody up on a bye week and drop someone I don't need. So that might be when I drop Darwin Thompson. But for now, I'm, I'm keeping him because I do believe that he possibly could take over uh, a and over for Damian Williams if he gets hurt or if he struggles or if Shady McCoy is not quite what Andy Reid remembers him being. So let's get to Yeah, for me, I actually think that it kind of just kills my enthusiasm for the backfield in general for the time being. I, yeah. I think McCoy, you'd be lucky if he ends up being a flex. To me, 
Damien Williams, I was hoping for a solid RB2. I think that drops him into flex range for me, and we have to see, like you said, can they stay healthy? Can they be productive? Will Kansas City just use its wealth of passing weapons? Um, it kind of just throws the whole thing. I, I talked a little bit earlier about how excited I am for Justin Jackson. That actually helps me in a league where I had taken Damien Williams as my RB2. Now I'm looking at it like, well, at least I had Jackson. Yeah. Well, yeah, now the one thing I was going to say for Darwin Thompson doesn't apply for this team is, well, you know, if Kansas City was behind, Darwin Thompson would have a lot of value. Chances are they're not going to be behind very much. So I, I don't – that's why I say for me, if you have the depth, hold him, but I don't disagree with you at all. There, That backfield right now is a cluster, and really until we start seeing it game-wise, we're not going to know what kind of uh, what kind of splits Andy Reid is going to show here with, with all three of these guys. So for now – all of them are a hold for me, although I'm a more of a believer in Darwin Thompson, especially in Dynasty, like you mentioned, because I think he's got the best upside out of those three. For the Houston Texans, it was a huge weekend. They made a ton of moves. Bill O'Brien moving from coach to GM and, and really kind of going all in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off just by giving my perspective on it and that I loved it. I, I love that he is going all in. A lot of people talking about him might being on the hot seat. He's really what it seems like making moves to try and keep his job and keep Deshaun Watson upright, which I think is very interesting given the news we had a couple weeks ago now with Andrew Luck retiring. He retired because he had just gotten beaten up so much, and then Bill O'Brien goes out and requires, or not requires, acquires possibly one of the best, I would say top five at worst, top ten left tackles in the game in Laramie Tunsil to now protect him. Their entire offensive line is between the ages of 23 and 27, and they're all locked up for multiple multiple years now. So they have a young, growing offensive line behind a offensive star in Deshaun Watson. I think the moves were brilliantly made here by by Bill O'Brien. But let's start with the easiest one first and one that kills all of the Duke Johnson believers and hopefuls uh, when they when they grabbed him early in drafts after the Lamar Miller news and that Carlos Hyde was traded from the Chiefs to the Houston Texans to likely be the starter. It looks like the Cleveland Browns backfield as of last year is back together again, but in Houston with Carlos Hyde being the starter and Duke Johnson being the receiving role uh, or in the receiving role. Your thoughts on these two and what your what you think the outlooks are for 2019. Actually, I, I'm not that afraid of uh, Carlos Hyde. Um, at the time, it was kind of an interesting trade because you're talking about the Texans, one of their biggest weaknesses being offensive line, and they traded an offensive lineman to get Carlos Hyde. And the thought at the time before the Tunsil trade had been announced is like, what are they doing? But for me, I'm not wild about Carlos Hyde. He is what he is. We've seen him flame out on three different teams since he left San Francisco. I was never high on him when he was with San Francisco. I still think Duke Johnson's back to own to me. He's a low-end RB2 slash flex. I'm not starting Carlos Hyde. I might pick him up and wait and see how he does, but you know, that Lamar Miller didn't put up huge rushing numbers last year. I don't think we're going to see huge rushing numbers from Hyde, and I think it's going to be a split. Um, so I still think Duke Johnson's the back to own. We never thought Duke Johnson was going to be the only running back that they had, or at least I didn't. Most people didn't. Um, I think this probably just puts him back to reality of where he was always going to be. 
Yeah, so I, I'm torn on both of these guys. I love Carlos Hyde, former Buckeye. I think he had, you know, unfortunately the, the start of his career was derailed a little bit due to the injuries that he suffered there in San Francisco, but was was a really good back. And I think he was putting up better numbers than a lot of people were giving him credit for in Cleveland. Obviously, Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley, and that offense just—it didn't seem like they knew what they were doing. I would have loved to see what uh, what Hyde could have done had he had been been there when Freddie Kitchens took over. I think he would have had a much better year. Coming into Houston, I agree with you. I don't know exactly what he's going to do again. I think they've improved the offensive line, which is a little bit better than what Lamar Miller was running behind. Uh, but I would probably grab him and stash him for now. I'm not sure I would trust him to be anything more than a low-end RB2, high-end RB3 right now. Duke Johnson, I'm a little bit more worried about. So I love Duke. I loved him coming out of Miami. You know, something not a lot of people probably know is that he was a leading rusher at Miami. Uh, he was phenomenal college back. Hasn't really been able to do that in the NFL. Now, again, the Browns' offensive lines that he was playing behind for the most part were not that good. They've gotten a lot better over the past couple years. Joe Thomas was the anchor, and that was really all they had besides Alex Mack. My biggest fear with Duke is he is a phenomenal receiving back, but we don't see the Texans check down to the running back that often. Deshaun Watson did it a total of 60 times last year. That is not a lot. That is, I believe that was bottom four, I believe, in the NFL last year in check downs to the running back. So if he's not going to check the ball down that much, that's going to kill Duke Johnson's value, in my opinion, because we do know Carlos Hyde can catch the ball at well. So do they keep Carlos Hyde out there to just be the receiving back, or does it split between him and Carlos Hyde? It's going to be something we have to watch. I, I would say that for both of them, I would rather have them and stash them, because I do think one of them is eventually going to have a good year. I just think for me it's too hard to tell right now. I would lean Carlos Hyde because of what he can do as a runner and a receiver over Duke Johnson, uh, but Duke Johnson, I think, in the receiving game is 10 times more explosive than Carlos Hyde, so I'm really kind of torn on this backfield, and them getting Carlos Hyde doesn't uh, didn't help any matters any, at least for me, uh, so if I'm being honest, I'd probably avoid them altogether, but if you have them, I'm stashing them on my bench and seeing what happens at least the first couple weeks see to me at least a little bit um some of the rumors before trade palooza began on uh, saturday and sunday were that the texans were looking at pulling Kenyon drake from miami or yeah. rashad penny from seattle if one of the two of them had been the back that came in or even mccoy would have been the one that came in i think the skill sets would have matched up more and i would think of it more as a wash to me uh, as somebody who has a feeling the Texans move is going to be good for Duke Johnson. I thought the Carlos Hyde move was comp probably the best you could hope for. Like I said, I always thought they were going to do something. And to me, I'm less concerned about Hyde eating into what Johnson's going to do than some of those other guys I mentioned. Gotcha. All right. So the next trade they made uh, was technically reported beforehand and talked about all the, the, the kind of particulars came up afterwards. They, they moved on from Jadavion Clowney. They got back Jacob Martin and Barkebius Mingo and uh, a third-round pick. Uh, obviously, for us, we don't do a lot of IDP talk on here. I think that's a great move for Jadavion Clowney IDP-wise, going to a defense like that that's always been extremely aggressive. For team defense, I do think that this hurts the Texans a little bit. I, I've had them as like a top 10 defense overall. Uh, I would still keep them in the top 10, but losing Jadavion Clowney opposite of J.J. Watt does hurt them and obviously boost Seattle's defense up, which I haven't seen enough people talking about, and they have one of the best line 
linebackers in the game, a pretty yeah. good secondary, and now they add Jadavion Clowney to that line that did lose a lot of players in this offseason. So adding a guy like him to that front is huge for that team defense. Your thoughts on, on the Clowney trade? Well, and let's not forget, too, uh, news broke out uh, a day later after the trade that the that the Texans were paying the signing bonus. Oh, yeah. So the Seahawks only had to pay something like $8 million yeah, 8 of, million uh, of the, the franchise tag yeah. amount for Clowney, which makes it even more lopsided. From a, from a trade standpoint, I know that they thought Clowney wasn't going to report. I guess they were in a position where they just felt like they had to take something from him for him. I think he was sort of dictating to them, as you can do when you're a franchise tag player, the places where they might have gotten a better return. You know, they had looked to try to send him to Miami. Miami was interested in him. You don't know if they could have maybe made a better deal uh, when they were getting Tunsil, if he would have agreed to that. But he said no. Seattle was one of the few places he'd consider. So I guess they were in a place where they were just taking what they could get. I thought that was a horrific return. Uh, for a player like that in terms of what they got back. Those two linebackers may end up proving us all wrong, but a third-round draft choice wasn't that much to me. It wouldn't be um, much better than the uh, compensatory pick they probably would get if they had let Clowney walk. So I'm not sure how I feel about that from a from a defensive standpoint. Um, I think everything you said is correct. The Texans, it's uh, it probably is more injurious to them because I thought that they had a they have a good chance of winning their division and making a playoff run, a better chance now that Andrew Luck has retired. Um, and for Seattle, you know, trying to stay relevant, trying to stay active in what could be a pretty tough division with the 49ers continuing to trend up and with the Rams when you're facing those kind of offenses, you need to be able to rush the passer and have a strong defense, even being able to cave in the line against somebody like Kyler Murray. So it was a huge step up for them, a huge get for them. And it seems like that's been Pete Carroll's tenure, making really savvy moves and getting the pieces they need to stay relevant and to stay competitive, even when you've written them off. So, I mean, it seemed like what we've come to expect from this Pete Carroll Seahawks tenure. Oh, yeah. And then the last move that they made was was probably the biggest. It had Twitter all abuzz yesterday and, and uh, Saturday when it – no, it happened Sunday, didn't it? Um, all these yeah, trades Sunday. happened so quickly. I think it was Saturday it was ridiculous. night. Yeah, Saturday night. And then obviously all the talk Sunday about it. Still people talking about it today. And that was Houston getting Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills, a fourth and sixth round pick for defensive back Jonathan Badmosi, offensive tackle Julian Davenport, and then – Two first-round picks and a second, a first this year, a first next year, and a second next year. I am not someone who is going to kill the Texans on this trade. I think it was a phenomenal trade. Obviously, it sucks giving up multiple first-round picks, but again, I think Laramie Tunsil is at worst a top 10 left tackle in the league. I would put him up there toward the top five to get someone like that to help protect your young quarterback who got sacked more than anybody else last year is a huge deal. Everybody wanted to talk about how bad Arizona Cardinals' offensive line was and how much Josh Rosen was getting hit. Deshaun Watson got sacked more. Now, yes, some of that is probably on him with the way he likes to run around and try and make moves in and out of the pocket, try and make big plays down the field. But regardless, that offensive line was extremely poor as well to add him on there. And then to get a, a wide receiver like Kenny Stills, who is still fairly talented and added to a really good wide receiver core now with DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller if he stays healthy. I don't know fantasy-wise if that's really going to do much for Kenny Stills. Probably, in my opinion, being behind those two. 
But as an NFL perspective, that is a great move for them, improving that offense and making them one of the more deadly offenses in the league, in my opinion, now with, again, Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, we already talked about in the backfield with those three guys, and really kind of giving them a chance to take a stranglehold on this division. Uh, What were your thoughts when you saw this trade come flashing across Twitter? Yeah, absolutely. I think the retirement of Andrew Luck a couple weeks ago really set this in motion probably for all the moves that we saw made by Houston today. If you, they were looking a couple weeks ago, you're looking at a Colts team who's probably not only a favorite in their division, but possibly a favorite for the Super Bowl. Um, I know you like the Colts still with Brissett a little bit more than I do, but I think we can both agree there's a little bit of a question with Indianapolis right now. Nick oh, yeah. Foles came to Jacksonville could be very good still a question with jacksonville tennessee a lot of questions so the texans are probably looking at deshaun watson deandre hopkins jj watt their time is now and i think they had one huge glaring weakness that everybody talked about that they weren't able to address in the offseason they weren't really able to fix in the draft and they hadn't so far been able to fix in the offseason and that's their offensive line i think for me, Kenny Stills, if we're talking about from a fantasy perspective, in redraft, completely droppable. I'm not really that interested in him uh, from a dynasty perspective either. Um, I just think there's too many other pieces there. I like Will Fuller better. I like Kiki Kuti better. They've been on the roster. They've been with Watson longer. Uh, Stills, to me, still feels a little bit like a one-trick pony. So that part of the deal doesn't mean a lot to me. But Laramie Tunsil getting a quality left tackle, somebody that they're going to possibly be able to have and build their franchise around, was crucial. I think it's going to mean everything for... Deshaun Watson, I think it's going to mean big things for that offense, and that's one of the reasons I think the Texans may have gone for broke a little bit, mortgaged some of their future, but the time is now for them, and this was a move to try to win their division and make a run while they can. Absolutely, yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how well that plan comes together this year. Again, Bill O'Brien, by some are are saying, is on the hot seat, so for him to make a bunch of these moves to coach for the now and and try and get these Texans to win the division and and a possible Super Bowl is going to be huge. So, Matt, thank you again so much for jumping on with me here just to talk a bunch of this uh, breaking news stuff right before uh, before we get out of here, and and I look forward to talking to you again later. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your Labor Day. Yep, you too. First and 10 at the Lions 29, and Prescott goes screen right. Elliott down the right side to the 25, to the 20, to the 10. Elliott to the pylon. Zeke Elliott, touchdown. 38 on the screen. Second down at 10, takes the snap, gives it, Chubb runs, he's in a 15, he's in a 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, there goes Chubb, he's in the 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Chubb-a-lubba-hub! 92 yards! from Adam. Case on a deep throb. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay oh my god! Oh my god!
as I was just talking about with our new trade segment, we've got Mr. Tony Dyer. You can find him at Commissioner MR on Twitter. He is a part of the Dynasty Nerds team and going to be joining us every single Thursday. Uh, throughout the throughout the NFL season today, he's joining us on Monday's episode to give you guys a little bit of a preview of what we're going to doing throughout the season. So, Tony, what's going on, man? How you doing? Not a whole lot. Doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Glad to be a part of it. This will be my first podcast appearance, so we'll see how this goes. Hope that uh, hope that we don't let you down. Yeah, I mean, if you do, you just won't get a call back from us on next Thursday. So that, that's <laughs> right. just how that'll work right. out for you. And then, that's uh, fair enough. As always, we have Mr. Matthew Fox with us. You can find him at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Just getting ready for the season. Redraft season. Yeah, I've got, a, I've got I think, three drafts this weekend. So I'm, I'm excited about that. What about you guys? You guys have any drafts coming up this weekend? Mine are all over. My, uh, my wife's got one, so she's got her last draft. It's a keeper draft that's uh, PPR scoring with a premium for quarterbacks. Okay. But other than that, I'm all finished. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I did a work one uh, earlier on Thursday, and then um, I just have two more uh, on this Labor Day Monday. Uh, one One's a 16-team Game of Thrones league, and uh, then... Uh, the Writers League for that you and I are in for yeah. the Fantasy Life App blog. Yeah, hopefully I can do better than I did last year because my team kind of sucked last year in there. Yeah, I've got my my work league this Saturday that I commission. I'm the commissioner of as well, so this will that'll be fun. But enough talk about our teams. Let's jump into some of these trades that we got sent to us from some of the listeners. So the first one we've got here was submitted to us by at Richard Newell twenty five twelve team half point PPR. He has six 2020 first round picks, which is ridiculous. And he is in full rebuild mode this year. After winning the championship last year, he has Nick Chubb, but he is considered trading for Mike Williams and Miles Sanders. Tony, what is your thoughts on this trade? I'm going to take the Chubb side. Um, I mean, Sanders has got all the upside in the world, but with six picks and a stud like Chubb, I kind of feel like, I don't know, I feel like the Mike Williams and the Miles Sanders side of that is a very stereotypical dynasty move where you're looking for all the upside here out of two guys when you've really already got you've got a i mean you got a first round pick here with chubb already so and and then again if i put it on a draft board and if you're and you're on draft day with it being so early in the season i like to look at it that way i'm not trading the first pick for the fifth and the ninth or wherever or the fifth and the eighth or the fifth and the whatever however your league's going to draft um that that's just too far down of a drop for me, and especially knowing I've got six first rounds. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, Chubb is a young player going into season two. He's on a good offense. Uh, we saw just a little bit of what he could do last year when he took over in the middle of the year and have all expectations that he's going to have a great year this year. He's the kind of guy you would rebuild around. I don't really see the wisdom in shipping him off, getting two players when you have six 2021st that you can add young players around Chubb next year. So I would not make that move. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys, and not just because I am a huge Cleveland Browns fan, because I do love Miles Sanders as well. He was my favorite back coming out this year right there with, with David Montgomery. Uh, but, man, just six 2021st round picks. I mean, keep Chubb. He's, he's already proven he's a stud, and then you can grab a, a ton of prospects in this year's draft. I love a, I love a lot of these guys that are coming out. This is going to be a loaded class. So uh, I'm right there with you guys. I agree with both of your assessments. 
the you know, next, one thing I wanted you know, to add to that, if I don't, if I can't interrupt you, I'm sorry, but with those six first round picks, that's a lot of trade ammunition. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could end up with another season, like a you know five, four or five year starter with just one or two of those picks. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I said six first round picks. I mean, in all honesty, that's ridiculous. There's a there's a league that I am in uh, with. I don't know if you guys know the Back Row Fantasy Show. I, I joined a league with them, and mm. I have four, and I felt like I was you know. I thought I was rocking it out with four first-round picks in this in this coming up draft. So six of them, yeah, I agree. I'm right there with you. You could easily trade two for, I would say, almost any top 12 wide receiver or running back. Chances are a team is going to bite at that and take two. So, yeah, that that's a good call as well if you're trying to get some proven talent. I mean, I guess with, with them saying that they want to be or they are in full rebuild mode, they would likely go young and grab most of those players. But, uh, I mean, yeah, that, that's just solid. So the next uh, the next trade we have here was from at A00266086. Uh, his name is Patrick. 12-team dynasty standard scoring. He is trading away Zach Ertz, Josh Gordon, and a 2021st to receive George Kittle, Duke Johnson, and a 2022nd. Said his he feels his team is loaded at wide receiver and says Gordon would be his sixth best wide receiver. He has Juju, Keenan Allen, Cooper Cup. Chris Godwin, Jarvis Landry, Kiki Kuti, just J.J. Arcega-Whiteside are his other wide receivers. And at running back right now, he has, I'm assuming, James White, Jalen Samuels, and Royce Freeman. What are you doing here, Tony? Well, I want to pass this one to Dennis. I went first last time. Oh, Matt. Dennis isn't with us today. This is, That's Matt. Oh, Matt. Sorry. Not Matt, you're up. Well, uh, to me, when I'm looking at I'm assuming since he said standard scoring, um, that he means the old traditional standard scoring and not PPR, which seems to be what some people call standard scoring now. But I would say, for me, Ertz and Kittle feels like a little bit of a wash. So really, it's looking at Josh Gordon and a first for Duke Johnson and a second. Uh, looking at his RB situation, obviously, he has an area of concern. And I get trying to sacrifice a wide receiver to improve your running back situation. The thing is... There's a lot of hype for Duke Johnson right now, uh, but we don't know exactly how much of a workload he's going to carry as a rusher. He's been more of a passing weapon throughout his career. Uh, And if you're in standard scoring, you may not get the kind of bump from a Duke Johnson that you're looking for. He would definitely make that running back group that he has better, but it feels like a lot to sacrifice Josh Gordon and a first to get Duke Johnson in a second, which is essentially would be my takeaway from that trade. So I would probably not do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there too. I don't think Ertz is done at all. I know that he's probably at the peak of his career there, but I got to looking at the difference in standard scoring between the two of them this morning. Kittle outscored Ertz. So Kittle was number two. Ertz was number three by 0.4 standard fantasy points. The only interesting there. The most interesting thing there was that uh, Kittle did it on 88 receptions, and Ertz had a whole lot more than that. Everybody's expecting some recept- some reception regression from Ertz, but there is something to be said there about the talent that Kittle has. Having said all that, I agree 100% that Duke Johnson's not helping this team really at all in a standard scoring format. He catches passes, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Houston make a move uh, sure, maybe Duke, Duke Johnson takes the bulk of the carries, but I just don't think that's going to happen. I'd rather have the first. I'd rather have Josh Gordon, and I'll take the regression out of Hurts. 
Yeah, I agree with both of you. Um, obviously, I love George Kittle, and I feel like dynasty-wise, he's obviously the the tight end you'd rather own out of the two. But I agree with what you're both saying there, that it's really coming down to Josh Gordon, Duke, and the picks. Maybe you can try and go back to him and see if you can take the first-round pick out on your side and give him a second and not get a second back and see if maybe that gets it done. Because to me, Josh Gordon is the player... I would rather have out of those two if you were asking me if I had to have Gordon or Duke, even with your running back situation. Because, again, being a huge Browns fan, I've seen Duke Johnson for many years. And I love Duke, but he is a receiving back. He's not someone who's going to be able to handle the full workload, in my opinion, in Houston. And on top of that, Deshaun Watson does not check down to the running backs that often. So I feel like he's getting hyped up, and and whoever is selling him is, is obviously selling high right now, knowing that Lamar Miller is going to be injured and looks like Duke's going to be the guy. Uh, but I, I would try and come back and see if maybe you can take out that first round pick, give him a second, and not get a second back, and see if maybe that gets gets the gets the deal done. Next up, we have from uh, at guard underscore Zach Zachary Kington giving up Carryon Johnson a twenty twenty third for Devonta Freeman and a twenty twenty second. We'll go back to you now, Tony. What are your thoughts on this one? Was this one dynasty? Did you say that? And I. Just missed it for a second. Um, is this a dynasty format? I don't see that. I think it's got to be dynasty so with the picks. Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, duh. That was a dumb question. <laughs> anyway, I, ultimately, I guess my answer would be probably pretty close to the same. Freeman's got a bad rap for being injury prone. And so I looked that stat up earlier today, too. Freeman's missed 17 games over five years, and Carrion's already missed six. Now, the bulk of Freeman's came last year, and he missed to the year before that. So maybe there's some recency bias. Maybe he got fragile. Maybe I'm wrong here. But I don't think that I'm quite ready to label Freeman as so injury-prone that I can't hope for a full season. Um, he's done that multiple times. It's just recently it hadn't worked out for him. The offensive line's much improved there. I'm taking the Freeman side to cut to the point here because Freeman's going to help me win more today than on Johnson will, I believe, because of the deficiencies that that Detroit still has and I'm getting the better pick out of the deal. So I kind of feel like it, it moves me into a better spot today and I've got a little bit of insurance there if it doesn't work out. I think for me, I'm going the other way. I like carry on Johnson. He's younger. Um, I think he's in for a big year. Uh, they cleared some of the way out for him. I think he's going to have a bigger chunk of the Detroit offense. I think the Detroit offense in general is going to be a little bit better this year. Um, I think that they're going to have a, a better chance to compete and maybe be a little more even, giving more time to running and not having to try to throw their way out of everything this year. And I like on Johnson's potential, especially in Dynasty, going further. I agree that Freeman probably gets a little bit of a bad rap for being injury-prone because of the last couple of years now. He's let people down, but I I just think Carrion Johnson's a better player and to me the difference in picks isn't isn't that great, so I would lean that side. Yeah, I'm torn on this one because I do I agree with what you guys are saying. Devonta Freeman definitely gets a bad rap. Uh, he was just what was it, back in twenty sixteen, I believe it was, was the R B one overall. In fantasy. So he he's proven that he can be an all out stud at the running back position. However, if I had to choose, I'm taking carry on Johnson. I know he had the injury last year, and 
Detroit is not quite the sexy name, sexy offense that Atlanta is, but I like on Johnson a lot. I think he's got the talent. I think Daryl Bevel is going to run the ball a ton there in Detroit and give on Johnson the the weight of it. I don't see anybody really behind him that I think is going to steal much from him. I know a lot of people are are big on Ito Smith, but I think Ito Smith kind of fell down. I'm sorry, that was the, I'm thinking of the wrong team here. Um, with with it, Atlanta, Ito Smith, you got Quadri Allison are both behind uh, Freeman, and I think both of them are decent backs. I, I like Allison better than Ito Smith. I think that he could eventually start taking over some some work at least a little bit. And then on Detroit side, I don't think C.J. Anderson is much of anything. I know a lot of people are worried about him going there. I don't think he's going to steal much away from on Johnson, uh, nor am I big on Ty Johnson as well. I know a lot of people have really bought into this offseason. Uh, so give me on Johnson just a little bit younger and on a team that I think is, is heading upwards and could be an all-out stud. I actually have him projected as a top 10 running back for fantasy this season. Woo, I picked the wrong side of that deal, huh? No, not at all. Hey, No, I- no, no. No, I hear everything you're saying. It all makes perfect sense. I've just got a little bit less faith in the offense, and I'm a little bit more afraid of C.J. Anderson at the goal line. That's it, gotcha. and you're absolutely right. All the upside is there for carry-on, all of the hope. But when I'm even in a dynasty league, sometimes I guess I'm looking at this trade thinking I'm a win-now team, mm-hmm. and, and, and maybe I'd pick the wrong side here. Maybe Devonta Freeman is injury prone and he is hurt. Or, like you said, maybe Ito Smith eats in a little bit and, and Devonta Freeman doesn't get the goal line work either. And the next thing you know, I look like a real idiot for picking Freeman on this thing. Because I'm a hypocrite when I just said, put it on the draft board. Well, if I put it on the draft board, I want the carry on side. But there's something about this deal that tells me that right now, Freeman's still got some in the tank. I agree with you 100% on that, and that, that's why I like doing this trade stuff because everybody's going to have different opinions on it, and, and that, that's one of the main things I've said about why I like doing this podcast and bringing other people on is because I know I'm not always going to be right, so giving the giving the listener another perspective on the player like you just did helps them kind of make an even more informed decision. I could be wrong. I, me and Matt, I think, would both easily admit that we could be dead wrong on carry on yeah, Johnson. Absolutely. There, there's no there's no way we're obviously going to know until the end of next year. So I, I don't I don't want this to sound like I don't like Devonta Freeman because I do. I actually think Freeman's in for a big bounce back year this year. I agree with what you were saying. I think he gets a bad rap, and and a lot of people are kind of devaluing him. There's just something about carry on. Johnson I like maybe it's the the fact that he's kind of still a shiny new toy for Detroit in that offense because he didn't get the chance to play that much last year uh, and he's a little bit of an unknown but I am I'm, I'm big on carry on this year for sure well the talent's definitely there I'll yeah. agree with you on that for sure all right so he also sent us another trade and this one I'm really interested in because I feel like I'm not going to agree with you guys although I could be wrong uh, Tyree Hill for Chris Godwin and a 2021st. Matt, we'll go to you first. What do you got? I mean, when you're initially looking at it, a lot of people thinking about what Tyree Hill did last year in that offense and, and thinking, ah, no way. But for me, I think Kansas City's offense is going to come back down to earth a little bit. You look at what Kansas City did going out and getting – Uh, Hardman and making some other moves. There's already been rumors that Hill is on the trading block uh, and that they're not looking at him long-term, possibly because of some of his off-field things and the danger that he gets taken out. And then you look at the other side. Chris Godwin seems to be really coming up. A lot of people think, including myself, that he's primed for a big year in the Arians' offense down in Tampa Bay. 
So when you couple that with a first-round pick, for me, I would go to the Godwin side, especially thinking long-term. I think there's a chance that we may have seen the peak of Hill's value. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, I thought I was going to be unpopular on that, too, so I wonder what uh, wonder what you got to say. But the um, the I agree with everything, literally everything you said. I don't know that I expect – you can't like anticipate a trade, but – it would make perfect sense if Kansas City gave Tyreek Hill a new environment to see if maybe that helps him out because he's baggage, he's bad PR right now, and, and everybody loves him. They all cheered and everybody's happy, but he's like one recorded conversation away from being a problem again. Um, and for that, the same same exact thing. Godwin's on the upside. The 2021st makes it feel really secure. I'll take that side. I mean, worst case, I was thinking too that Hill stays with Kansas City this year and they let him walk when he's a free agent at the end of the year. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, balancing those two things for me, the potential murky future for Hill and Godwin's talent in the first just kind of pushes me to that side. All right, so I'm really torn on this trade, and I feel like this is going to be the um, – well, it already is going to be the unpopular decision. I'm actually going to keep Tyreek Hill. Uh, I know there are obviously the rumors about the trades, and even if he does walk, I think regardless of what offense he goes to, he's going to be a stud and the number one. I I don't care if he ends up going to the Browns. As much as I love Odell – Tyreek Hill has a little bit of a different skill set than Odell. I think Odell's still probably the better receiver, but he's still going to put up numbers. Like he, It doesn't matter who he goes and plays with, he's going to put up numbers. I like the 2021st. That part does intrigue me a lot. I am someone who is really big on picks. I love getting picks because I feel like I do enough watching and scouting that I can do what I need to with those picks. I am not sold on Chris Godwin like a lot of other people are, and I think maybe that's where my hesitation comes from. I know a lot of people think he's it seems like the going to be the breakout wide receiver, possible finish at the back end of wide receiver one territory, high end wide receiver two. I just don't believe in Jameis Winston. I don't believe in the Bucks offense. I think they've got too many weapons there for Godwin to really produce, so I think the drop-off between Godwin and Hill, regardless of what he gets with that 2021st next year, is not going to bring back the value uh, and giving up someone who has proven they can be a top-five wide receiver for fantasy in the NFL. Thoughts? Concerns? No? Everybody good? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean that's the trade-off, obviously. Yeah, I get it. I understand it. And if, and if Hill is what he was and things remain the same, or similar, then the hillside wins. But Godwin is a top-end talent, at least, and I don't know what that's how that's going to translate to fantasy. And and I understand the doubts about Jameis Winston, but as a Colts fan, I've seen what Bruce Arians does to to offenses, and I'm telling you right now, Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to pass the football. They can't yeah. run it. Wow, who's going to run the football? So they're going to be passing the football and. Originally, I was a little more concerned about O.J. Howard um, because of what you just said. With There's too many mouths to feed. And then the more I thought about it and the more I sat on it, there's no choice. that They're all going to have plenty of targets. All right. The last uh, – oh, we've got two trades left. I apologize. So this next one was submitted by Jacob Dreyer. So 12.5 PPR redraft. The same owner made two trades, traded Hilton for Michael Gallup and Kiki Kuti. 
then traded Devontae Adams for Duke Johnson and Kenny Galladay. Your thoughts, uh, Tony, we're going to you this time. Your thoughts on these two trades that were made by Mr. Dreyer. Well, the, I mean, I don't know why I'm struggling so much. Maybe because I am a Colts fan. I don't want to be too biased. And I also don't want to move Hilton down too far because of the recent luck news. But I kind of want to take the Gallup cutie side on this deal. Hilton's an older running back. Kiki Cutie's been injured, but he's got youth on his side. So does Michael Gallup. They're, they're both twos that could potentially grow into a lot more. And they're both young enough that I'm ready to sell Hilton. Yeah, this is, uh, this is my friend Jacob. This wasn't his team. Another owner in his um, league pulled these two trades off in the same day, essentially going gotcha. from having Hilton and Devontae Adams as his starting receivers to bringing back a return that was Galladay, Gallup, Kuti, and Johnson. Uh, evaluating the two trades, I kind of felt a little bit like Tony about the Hilton trade. That actually didn't bother me. I, I think Gallup could actually have some sneaky great upside this year. Um, he's certainly been killing it in the preseason. And Kuti, we've seen some of the some of what he's done. I didn't think that was too bad. The other side gave me a moment of pause because I really like Devontae Adams this year. Galladay is somebody who, if you really believed that he was on the cusp of being a wide receiver one and you thought Duke Johnson was going to be a running back one, I personally think that's too optimistic. And you needed a running back. I guess I get it. But when you take these two trades combined, the massive changeover for a team, for a redraft team, I'm not sure I like the overall strategy. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I The, the last half of this trade... I mean, I didn't even make any notes about it. It's Devontae Adams for me. It's by a landslide, and I don't see... I understand that when you package them all together, that the sum of the parts might equal more. But for me, I would rather have Gallup, QT, and Adams and never have done that second trade. Yeah, I would agree with that. I thought the first trade might actually have been smart and given them some upside. The second one, I the only thing I can think is that guy has to be a true Duke Johnson believer, kind of like the trade we looked at earlier in the Standard League. If you were right. going to trade Gordon in the first for Johnson, the only reason I can even think that you're debating about that is that you're really believing that Duke Johnson is going to be Lamar Miller or better. It's crazy what they're trading for Duke Johnson right now. I wish I had Duke Johnson because I'm telling you, I would sell him. Yeah, I have a few shares. It's made, certainly made me consider whether it would be uh, worth selling him. It's incredible how some people are valuing him right now, and I think it's really his value is probably never going to be higher because I would a wager within the next five days somebody comes into Houston. I mean, there's been a lot of talk today that Drake is coming back in a trade for Clowney. I don't <sighs> know how much I love Drake, but that would certainly bite into any thought that duke johnson was going to be rb10 and that's better. the worst yeah a, a guy like drake just crushes johnson's value and i don't mean that drake's great and that johnson's not but if they're paying maybe they do some committee or a hot hand but outside of that yeah. drake drake has the ability to catch the football he could be bad for duke johnson yeah to me they almost feel like similar players yeah exactly all right, so not trying to to play to my my co-host here, but uh, I actually wouldn't do either trade. Uh, I, I I understand why everybody is kind of 
getting off Hilton right now with the luck retirement news, but I think Jacoby Brissett is going to be a lot better than people think. We talked about this on the podcast the other day. I think Jacoby Brissett has a chance to finish in the top 15 of fantasy quarterbacks. I really do like Brissett this year. I, I get what you guys are saying on Gallup and Kuti. If it was a dynasty league, I'd be all for it. The fact that it's a redraft league, give me Hilton. He's proven it. He's a guy that I could easily plug into my wide receiver two spot every week and feel perfectly fine. I can go to bed, sleep fine, not have to worry about anything, having Adams as my one and Hilton as my two. I get that it brought back Galladay and Duke Johnson as well. Maybe he needed some RB help. I don't know. Big fan of Kenny Galladay, but I don't think... Any of those, even all those three combined, do not bring you back the, the value that Adams brings you as your wide receiver one, and then Hilton as your two. I think that I think personally, while he got great depth, he gave away two top tier guys uh, that I personally would not have done, especially in a redraft league. Uh, he also sent us another one, a 12-team, .5 PPR redraft as well. Proposed Mark Ingram and Josh Gordon for Juju Smith-Schuster. Matt, what do you got? Yeah, this is actually his trade that he's trying to, to pull off. I thought it seemed like a fair offer to me. Um, Gordon, certainly it looks like he's coming back, and what we saw last year has some potential on in Ingram uh, getting the starting spot in Baltimore. If I own Juju Smith-Schuster, I probably personally wouldn't do it. I'm really high on him this year. I think he's got top-five receiver potential, and I would hold on to him, but I thought it seemed like a pretty fair trade. I'm actually the opposite. I'm really low on Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm worried about the absence of Bell, the absence of Brown, an aging Roethlisberger, all that stuff that everybody's talking about. Um, I'm kind of worried about those things, and I wouldn't still, I don't think I would do this deal. The problem is Josh Gordon. He's the part of the deal that, that screws it all up. Right now, nobody really knows what he's worth. I think he's being drafted in the sixth or seventh round of startups. Um, but what's he worth? Is he a wide receiver two? Um, is he really a wide receiver three? I, nobody really knows how that looks. And so it makes it really difficult to make, to make a deal. If I'm the Juju Smith Schuster owner for, for that kind of gray area, especially when you add in the risk of suspension and all that other stuff. All right. Yeah, I kind of agree with you guys. There's no real reason to, to dive too much into that one. Um, give me Juju all day long. The last trade we've got before we do the team grades here, 10-team PPR scoring and yardage bonuses. Nick Chubb was traded for Stephon Diggs and Justice Hill. What do you got, Tony? I'm probably taking Nick Chubb on this deal. I'm super, super high on Nick Chubb this year. He's got a clear clear path to workhorse touches for eight weeks at least. I think it's ten weeks, including the bye. Um, or week ten is when Kareem Hunt comes back. And really, the starting job I don't think is going to be taken from Chubb. Hunt will slip in as the third down back, a relief back, a re- the best, probably the best one. T- I, mean, I feel crazy saying this already, but when Hunt comes back, there's little doubt in my mind that Chubb and Hunt could be the best one to do running back punch in the NFL. So I'd rather have Chubb. I know there's a Diggs is nice floor, and Justice Hill has huge upside, but Nick Chubb's a starter. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Um, this one was a dynasty trade, but uh, Chubb is young. He's got a bright future ahead of him. I like Diggs. He's a great receiver. Justice Hill has a lot of potential, but to me, you'd have to be a real Justice Hill believer or real desperate at wide receiver to have to move Chubb. I was kind of surprised to see this one go down. Yeah, I'll only say one thing: Chubba Wubba Hub. I don't, I don't, don't even worry about it. That, that's all I want in that trade right there. 
All right, team grades time. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you guys uh, some teams here, and I want you guys to just grade them, tell me what you think about them, what their strongest part and what their weakest part of their team is so they know what to attack once their trades are open up. So the first one submitted by the longtime show fan here at Jonathan Weber 82 This is a 12-team, uh, 8-starting lineup, PPR 1QB. So he has got Baker, Jimmy G, and Tannehill at QB. Running backs, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, Dalvin Cook, Josh Jacobs, James White, Justice Smith, Ito Smith, Kalen Balaj, Malcolm Brown. Wide receivers, Devontae Adams, uh, Adam Thielen, Cooper Cup, Robbie Anderson, A.J. Green, Deshaun Hamilton, Miles Boykin, uh, Greg Dortch, Josh Reynolds, and Duke Williams. Tight ends are David Njoku, Jack Doyle, Dallas Goddard, and Irv Smith. Well, we'll start with Tony, and then we'll go back to Matt um, with the next team. Tony, what are your thoughts on this team? The the Tannehill, first off, just because of the order that you read them, Tannehill's a little bit confusing to me. Maybe I started in the wrong direction here too hot, but I feel like Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo give you enough depth there that Tannehill might be holding you back. And I'm seeing a few weaknesses here because Tannehill is taking a bench spot to be the backup, who very well could supplant Marcus Mariota probably even very quickly but but he's not the starting quarterback right now and I'm seeing some weaknesses in the wide in the wide receiver depth that maybe he could be farming that that bench spot for some young wide receivers when he hits one that pops next thing you know you know yeah I I don't like rostering multiple quarterbacks anyway and in a big league like this where you've got deep deep rosters it makes more sense to have two um but i would just as stream the second one or the third at least to me a little bit of the tough part to tell about depth is he starts eight but he doesn't give us the breakdown of whether it's three wide receivers or three flexes or <clears throat> so when you're looking at it, i think he has potentially some some good wide receivers i like the top three aj green uh, provided he comes back healthy in a couple weeks, that gives them a little bit more depth. He has pretty incredible depth at running back, especially if Drake ends up going to Houston. Uh, Balazs then becomes a starter probably in Miami. Um, and I like his quarterback. Tight end uh, is pretty decent as well. It seems like he should have a good shot at competing. Um, and he was wise, I think, to handcuff Gurley with Malcolm Brown. Um, obviously, it would have been nice if he could have gotten – uh, a couple of other uh, receivers, Deshaun Hamilton, could end up being pretty good. I think he has some good chances overall. Yeah, I do like the team for sure. That's not a bad team at all. I'd give it a solid B. With I uh, give it a, I want to say an A minus. I'll be the first one to grade it. Matt, what do you got? You still there, Matt? Oh, sorry, I lost you for a minute. No, you're good. Uh, I think I'd give it a B. B? All right, I would okay, give fine. it Okay, fine. I wanted to say a B plus, but then I felt like I was being a jerk. No, I'm no. going back to a B plus. I'd give it an A minus, mostly because I actually helped him build this team. I, you, I, he, you feel better. He, he came at me yeah, with a lot of these lot trades better. and everything, so I, I like his team. Uh, I Like I said, I, I think it's a... Is he gone? No, can you not hear me? Oh. Apparently he left us. Did he quit? No, my Is bad. It? I muted myself. I was just having—I was just on a whole diatribe about this team and did not realize I was muted. So we'll try that again, guys. Um, 
what I was saying was I'd give this team an A minus. I was I was right there with you there, uh, Tony. Before you change your mind, I actually helped. No nope, B plus. I'm at a B plus. Well, I know now you are. You said A minus first though, and we're gonna stick with that because I like that grade better. Because uh, I helped Jonathan actually somewhat build this team. I uh, yeah, a lot of these players he didn't have. He traded for. I, I gave him some advice on them, and I I think overall I agree with what you guys are saying. I like. I love his running backs, obviously, with, with the with the top four that he has. They're all guaranteed starters, wide receivers. You've got Devontae and Thielen. It's going to be hard to get that beat every week. If Robbie Anderson can keep doing what he did last year, he's going to be good there as well. Obviously, I mean, Baker, he's the best quarterback in the game, so you don't have to say anything there. Tight end's the only thing that really worries me. Uh, Dallas Goddard and Irv Smith, while I like both of them, I don't think they do much this year. So tight end, I think, is probably his weakest point. Yeah. Next up, you know, have... the tight end, though, I actually like the tight end group. Oh, yeah? It, it works out great I think, from a dynasty perspective because Doyle should still have value this year. Uh-huh. And I remember, I don't remember the exact number, but I know for sure that Doyle out-targeted T.Y. Hilton with Jacoby in 2017. Um, so that's really encouraging for this year. I love Goddard going into next year. And Herb Smith's a great long-term prospect that could have upside much faster than that. Yeah, and I think for me, the reason I went more to the B ranges, he could end up being great and competing for a title. But if you look at his running back group, uh, all of the top four have the potential to either be great or to be problems, either injury or not performing up to expectation. And really, that can be the difference between being a championship contender and a team that just is snake-bitten. All right, well, we've got time for two more, so I'm going to switch up. We'll save the other ones for Thursday's podcast because we'll do some more on Thursday. We'll just do these two more on Monday, and we'll save some of these for Thursdays. And I want to do two of the Superflex ones because I, I love Superflex and that scoring. I think it's a, a very interesting way to run your league. So the first one we're going to do was by at BuckDR3. David, it's a 12-team PPR Superflex Dynasty League. So his QBs are Aaron Rodgers, Joe Flacco, Sam Darnold, and Ryan Tannehill. Running back, Sony Michelle, Damian Williams, Derek Henry, Austin Eckler, Dion Lewis, TJ Yeldon, Darius Jackson, Mark Walton, and I love that he has Rodney Anderson on this team. Wide receivers, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, Antonio, my goodness, Antonio Brown, Julian Edelman, Kiki Kuti, Rashard Higgins, Adam Humphreys, Willie Sneed, Keyshawn Johnson, Auden Tate, Cody Latimer, and then tight ends, Jared Cook, Noah Font, uh, Foster Moreau and Gerald Everett. Matt, your thoughts on this team for a Superflex dynasty? Wide receivers are pretty incredible, especially yeah. the top uh, five. Shouldn't have any problems there. Running backs, he has some potential. Um, also some potential for that to be a problem area. I like Darnold this year, so I think Rodgers and Darnold could be great. Tough to only have Joe Flacco and Ryan Tannehill behind you. And if Darnold doesn't really reach his potential, um, then that could be kind of a rough area. Tight end is going to be interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Jared Cook in New Orleans, but we'll have to see how he develops. Personally, the rest of them, to me, are all uh, projects or hopes for the future. Uh, so tight end could be a little bit of a weak spot, and quarterback depth, to me, would be a couple of concerns in a super flex. Yeah, I'm pretty concerned with the tight end group. The uh, I, at first, I was worried about the quarterbacks too. Obviously, in a super flex, you want to start two quarterbacks if you can. And I agree that Darnold's upside is excellent this year. I, everybody is expecting him to move forward. But the 
you're absolutely right that there's some risk there that him and Flacco and Tannehill are kind of all maybe not Tannehill as much. I already talked about that, but him and Flacco might be caught in the middle somewhere. And the, what's nice about that with this team though is they've got five wide receivers that I'm really happy starting every week. So th- this might be a team where one of these wide receivers at least can outperform the quarterback that's available there. I like that a lot. I do like the running back group, but it's got some low floors on it, but Sony Michelle's primed for a bunch of touchdowns this year. And I, I think he's a, a really good candidate for a top 12 year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love Sony Michelle there. I think Damian Williams, obviously it all depends on which side of the, the coin you fall on with him. You're either a believer or you're not. It seems like nobody thinks that Damian Williams is just going to have an okay year. It's either he's going to suck or he's going to ball out like he did last year. I agree. I love the wide receivers, obviously, that he's completely loaded there. I'm not necessarily as worried on the quarterbacks. Obviously, your hope is that Rodgers and Darnold, who are going to be your two starters every week, stay healthy, so you're only plugging in Flacco on bye weeks. However, with as loaded as you are at wide receiver, I might try and make a move for a better quarterback if you possibly can. I know it might be hard. Maybe you can package Amari Cooper or A.B. with something to get a better quarterback. Maybe send Flacco back and get another third stud to pair there with Rodgers and Darnold and feel better. Other than that, I mean, I'm big on Jared Cook this year. I think uh, while this year uh, Fant is not going to be that good, I think going forward he's going to be a stud tight end in the NFL. So I think he's you're solid everywhere, but really trying to get that third quarterback, which, again, in, in Superflex is going to be hard to do, especially a dynasty league. This last one, another Superflex league uh, submitted by Coach Ben 16, 12-team PPR Superflex. Quarterbacks Jared Goff, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Rosen. At running back, he has Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Sony Michelle, Tony Pollard, Tariq Cohen, and Bruce Anderson. Wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, T.Y. Hilton, Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas, Robert Woods, Larry Fitzgerald, Terry McLaurin, Jacoby Myers, Trey Quinn, Paul Richardson, and his tight ends are Eric Ebron, Austin Hooper, Foster Moreau, Chris Herndon, and Will Disley. Tony, we're going to start with you. What are your thoughts on this team, and what what do you what is his strength, and what do you think he should improve? I didn't give the last team a grade. I don't remember. Let me no. look real quick. Actually, I don't think I any of us did. So what what do what do you got? Was that which one was that? What that was, was the name uh, of Buck Dr. Yeah. I'm going to give that a B plus also, but because I'm going to give this team an A, this will be my first A. I'm taking back the A minus before it's a B plus too. Alright, so what do you the, think about this this new team we just put or I just talked about? As much as I liked those other wide receivers, the this is how I would want to build my dynasty team. I don't know how they've accomplished this, but they have all of the good stuff. I mean, Hopkins is there, Adams is there, Michael Thomas is there, Robert Woods is a fringe a fringe wide receiver one, but I mean he's got wide receiver one games and you can pretty much count on it every other game at least, with Godwin's upside and the stability of Larry Fitzgerald for now, those wide receivers are set. I am a little more worried about their running backs, though. Um, absolutely don't like Derrick Henry at all. I have no faith in him. And so if you really like Derrick Henry, I would really encourage you to to at least look into putting getting one more back out there. Get, get rid of one of these wide receivers to get another running back that'll be at Derrick Henry's floor, what do you think his floor will be? Get another one there because I'm afraid his floor is so low that he's going to let everyone down. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. we forgot to do grades uh, for the first one. 
I would give probably a B plus for the one we last looked at. And for this one, I am going to give him a B. Uh, I am less bullish than Tony. He has incredible wide receivers. If we were grading the wide receivers alone, that would be an A plus plus. I have some questions about running backs. If Cook, Henry, and Michelle all hit their potential, you're doing pretty good. But there's a lot of ifs there uh, for me and not a lot of stuff behind him. I like Tony Pollard and his potential, um, but if Elliott comes back real soon, we may not even see much of him this year. Who knows what the split's going to be in Chicago with Cohen. Bruce Anderson's kind of just a wish. Tight end is okay, um, but not incredible to me either. Ebron, we all thought he was going to regress uh, with luck. Now, who knows where he's going to be at uh, without uh, luck and with Doyle presumably being healthy. Austin Hooper's fine, but not that great. Herndon suspensions. And then you look at his quarterbacks, and for Superflex, that would give me a, a serious moment of pause. I'm sure with the wide receivers he has, he only plays one quarterback because I'd much rather put, you know, Michael Thomas at my super flex spot than Lamar Jackson, probably most weeks, especially in PPR. But I think that's something that you would want to address. Uh, I don't think he has a QB one on his entire team. He has maybe two low end QB twos and one wish dream and Josh Rosen. So to me, I would be looking at my wide receivers and seeing what I was willing to move, maybe a couple out of the lower end of that group to try to get another running back to improve my depth and to try to do something about quarterback. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one, Matt. I'd probably give it a B-. minus. Um, obviously, you both touched on the wide receivers are outstanding. I'm not that I'm not that upset about the running backs. I like Dalvin Cook and Sony Michelle. Obviously, both have injury questions. And then I think Tariq Cohen is a, is a decent fill-in. I'm, I'm with you, Anthony, and I think, Matt, you said it too. I'm not a Derrick Henry believer either. Uh, I don't think he's going to do nearly as much as a lot of people do this year. I actually kind of like his tight ends. I don't think Eric Ebron is going to regress too bad with uh, with Jacoby Brissett, and I love Chris Herndon. I think, although obviously the four game suspension this year is going to hurt him upside dynasty wise, I think he's he's solid, has a really good shot to be a top tier tight end. I would definitely try and move one or two of these wide receivers for a better quarterback because. Jared Goff, Lamar Jackson, Josh Rosen, to me, is not going to get it done in a super flex league. I mean, Lamar Jackson, you know, obviously brings you a ton of points with his legs, but they've been talking about wanting him to throw the ball more. We'll see what happens with Lamar. I personally would not trust him. Uh, so I would definitely try and get another quarterback if you could. Uh, so that's why I'm giving it a B minus, because in a super flex league, you need to have at least one solid quarterback, and I'm just not sold on any of the three that he has. Well, and I agree with that, but but the reason I gave this team an A was because those wide receivers are so deep that I think guys like Robert Woods, their value actually is a little bit increased in this league. It's a 12-team league, and you've got like a really back-end, let's call it a top-end wide receiver too there, and I don't know how you guys, you guys might, everybody's crazy about one of the Rams receivers, um, yeah. but I would say Robert Woods is top-end weekly RB or wide receiver two with back-end wide receiver one upside. You can sell him. I mean, you could package him with about anything else to get a starting quarterback in a super flex league if you found the right team. So that's kind of why I gave it the A was because I see all these wide receivers as just massive value. They did so good with the wide receiver depth. Yeah, then that's where if I just think he has to do that, though, that that's my thing. Like if you were to go into the season yeah, with this team. I would agree. 
I, I think that it was it probably be a contender based alone on his wide receivers because again he could play easily as Matt and you both touched on he'd probably end up playing one of those wide receivers in a super flex spot over the quarterbacks most weeks. Yeah. But if he makes a trade like you were just talking about, then yeah, I think if he's able to get a a Rodgers, a Ryan, a, a Deshaun Watson, I doubt he's going to be able to get Mahomes, but a, a Cam Newton. If he's able to get one of those guys with a Robert Woods and, you know, say throw in, oh God, I don't know, Tony Pollard, say the to the Zeke owner to kind of help him back up Zeke and give him a top-tier wide receiver and he's able to get a Cam Newton or Matt Ryan, one of those top guys, Deshaun Watson, then yeah, I think he's a solid That's championship solid. contender right yeah. then and there. Yeah, that's a really good. Actually, I would give that's a really great package right there. You find the Zeke owner, you offer him Pollard and Robert Woods. Perfect. Good work. Yeah, because, I mean, for me, that's why the potential is great with this team, but we're grading the team as it is. And when I'm, he has incredible depth at wide receiver, but you can only start so many. So if you sat on this roster the way it is going into the season, you're leaving some great points on your bench while you have some deficient points in your starting lineup. Well, I agree with that too. You're right. All right. Before we get out of here, Matt, we, we've talked about this for a couple episodes now. We have yet to been able to get into it. So now I want you to talk about it. The fantasy movie league. You write about it. You are a big fan of it. Tell us what exactly is the fantasy movie league. How do you play it? Give us just kind of a, a basic breakdown of it. If you don't mind. Yeah, no problem. Fantasy Movie League uh, was started by a group that includes uh, Matthew Berry. It's been going strong for a few years. I've been playing since uh, the beginning. I think actually the first year that it came out was the fall that Pitch Perfect 2 debuted. So that'll give you an idea of how how long it's been going. It's essentially DFS for people who love movies. And a great thing about it is you can play year-round. Each week, uh, they assign a dollar value to the top 15 films that are going to be available, and you have eight screens and $1,000 to program your Cineplex. You can put uh, the same movie off multiple screens. What you're trying to get is the greatest bang for your buck. So they take the actual box office dollars that are made by these movies, and they take it versus the amount that you paid for them, Uh, And what you're trying to do is get the greatest bang for your buck. That's how they decide. So uh, each week there's a best value. That's the film that made the most money for the amount that you spent on it. You get a $2 million bonus per screen if you book, book that. And if you get a perfect Cineplex, meaning you maxed out your dollar value, Uh, versus what you could have purchased you get a five million dollar bonus and basically throughout the season they play you can play in the weekly competitions and there's prizes but you can also play in the kind of season-long competitions they divide the year up into four seasons uh, by the actual seasons summer spring winter and fall that are each 13 weeks and um, how you do weekly you move up or down in the standings based on the total box office haul that you brought in making your predictions The summer season wrapped up on Labor Day weekend, and the fall season starts fresh on September 5th. So if you've never jumped in, this can be a great time to jump in. I write a column uh, making my best guesses and forecasting uh, what the best options are each week. It comes out Thursdays, uh, Thursday afternoons on the Fantasy Life app blog. We also have a Fantasy Life app group on there that's free and easy to join um, where you can play against me in the season-long competition to see how you do 
Uh, I post links to all those things. So if you want to check out uh, Twitter, I will link to it uh, today, Monday. I'll post a link to if you want to join the group and find out more information, then you can look for the column uh, tweeting from my account on Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that I'm actually going to jump into, although I'm in way too many fantasy leagues, so hopefully this doesn't become an obsession of mine like fantasy football, Uh, but it it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be talking about this every Thursday. You're going to give us some of your your predictions of what the movies uh, you think are going to be awesome, whatever weekend that is that we're talking about. Obviously, check out his article that'll come out every Thursday as well, and then we're going to do some little movie stuff uh, I haven't quite told you guys about yet, but we'll get Tony to jump in on it as well every Thursday. We'll, we'll rate some movies and talk about this and that here at the end of every Thursday episode. So guys, thank you so much for joining me today uh, and talking about some trades, team grades, and the Fantasy Movie League. This is what we will be doing every Thursday throughout the NFL season, obviously previewing the Thursday night football game as well. I am looking forward to it. Before we get out of here, Tony, let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and if you've got anything in the works with the Nerd Herd. Well, I'm at Twitter at Commissioner Mister. Actually, really wanted Mister Commissioner because that's the name, obviously. But one guy's got it, and he hasn't tweeted for about a year and a half. And what he tweets makes no sense at all. So there's <laughs> nothing I can do about it. It's at Commissioner Mister. That's what it is. If you'd like to find me, I'd love to talk to you about trades. Um, I like to do giveaways too. This, which is, um, I don't know. That's kind of weird, but I like giving away jerseys. So what I do is I buy jerseys and I hang them up in the house. And when I'm tired of them, I just give them away um it's been working good so far and people seem really happy with it with the nerd herd the my rankings can be found on the nerd herd you have to be a member you have to be a premium member to get to the rankings there um, but if you go to www.dynastynerds.com um it, it'll walk you right through it you click on the hashtag nerd herd and that'll take you everywhere you need to know there's tons of content back there and there's so much that we're working on um some of it i'm not allowed to talk about and some of it I don't even know about, but right now there's the rankings. There's a buy sell tool that'll actually help you if you're considering like, hey, what's you know, what do the nerds think about this player? Should I because ADP and my friends think I should sell him and he wants to steal him from me? Well, is he a buy or a seller or hold? I mean, you can look and and kind of figure out what the nerds are thinking about any one particular player, and that's been a really useful tool too. But I know they've got a lot more going on. It's not very expensive. It, it is. It's a little extra for premium content, but tons of free uh free articles and uh yeah it's great to be a part of the nerd herd that's for sure absolutely and matt before we get out of here where can we find you on twitter and what have you got coming up with the fla blog i'm at nighthawk7734 on twitter and on the fantasy life app if you're on there um, we're getting ready, starting the regular season. I'm in a couple of vampire leagues where I'm actually the vampire, so I'm going to do a series of articles this year. The first one comes on Tuesday that will kind of give a setup of what the scoring is in those leagues and what my teams are to start. And then uh, every week on Mondays and Thursdays, I'll be writing the Monday night football and Thursday night football preview. So for the Thursday night kickoff game, it'll be Bears and Packers. Matt, I'll be at that game, and what's most interesting about what you just said is my my first ever Vampire League starts tomorrow, and I was selected the Vampire, so I'll definitely want to be talking to you about that. Well, maybe, uh, maybe on Thursday we can compare Vampire notes. Sounds good to me. Well, and before, I, I messed all this up, so I'm just going to go ahead and get this from you now. 
You, Tony, are a huge Colts fan. I was supposed to ask you about this beforehand, and I forgot completely. Oh, I forgot about that, too. Oh, crap. Yeah, so Here we go. Let, let's go ahead. Let's jump into it. Let's let you relive the nightmare that happened this weekend. Give us your thoughts on, on obviously, Andrew Luck retiring. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the episode, but I feel like uh, we all, all of us went in pretty hard on, on the fans. I know we talked about it a little bit. And yeah. I know that's not all of any yeah. fans, but the booing that happened and, and all the people have really yeah. kind of – uh, you know, just shit on Luck for making this decision, which is his decision. Uh, but what are your thoughts on, on Luck retiring? Then what are your thoughts on the Colts franchise moving forward now with Jacoby Brissett? Wow. You know, I was really practiced for this, and I actually totally forgot about it too. So it's kind of funny. Like, we knew a week ago that you were going to – you know, on Saturday yeah. we were going to talk about this, and I've <laughs> now here I am ready to talk about it, and the emotions are all over you again. The, let me separate it real quick for a second. So the first thing to talk about is the booing of luck. That's pretty awful. I mean, it's not really defensible, except I was talking with a customer. I was talking with um, a person the other day who was a 22-year Army veteran, and he was so mad at luck. He said, you know, I I had a helmet on my head. He was in the field, and he said, well, I didn't quit. And, yeah, that guy's a warrior. I mean, that guy's – yeah, that's why that man's a veteran. And I said to him, I said, well, he he's so mad about them booing luck. And I said, well, listen – Here's the reality of the situation. When you're in the stands, and I was in the stands that day, you have two choices. To, there's only two ways you can communicate with the field. You can cheer or you can boo. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, like it or not, I don't like it. I'm, I'm not defending it, but I'm just explaining the emotion behind it. When you're halfway through the third preseason game and the game before, before your franchise quarterback was warming up on the field when you thought he might not be. And that's how you find out that that he's never coming back again. I mean, the Colts were the fans were promised a lot with Andrew Luck, and they were very patient. And to find out that way, the boos, I don't think the boos were for Andrew Luck. I think people lost their minds. I think people were really booing the whole organization for the way things went down. And what they meant to say was, I'm hurt and I'm confused. And this is not like nobody had talked a word about this. We thought that the Andrew Luck might miss a game or two at worst case. And that was the rumor. Analysts hadn't pulled him down. They hadn't affected the rest of the team. There was no reason to believe that this was going on. And separate the fan from the person. I'm so proud of what Andrew Luck has done. And it has inspired me personally to kind of change some to look at myself and, and what I'm sacrificing. But. I understand a fan reacting, and unfortunately, the sick, sad truth of it is a fan's only got two ways. They can cheer or they can boo, and you said it last week. If Russell Wilson quits, or let's say Aaron Rodgers plays on a, on a broken leg for a whole year, gets the crap beat out of him, and then says, hey, you know what, guys? I don't need to do this anymore. Well, of course, Green Bay's going to light on fire, you know? I mean, imagine what, what would happen in Green Bay if, if that went down the same way. I'm not excusing it, but it was an emotional reaction that I think wasn't shouldn't have been targeted at Andrew Luck. I'm glad I wasn't there for the end of the game because I would have been embarrassed. But I do understand that raw emotion and the way that people couldn't quite convey that. Now, moving forward, though, I think Jacoby Brissett can be a real rallying cry for this team. He's the backup quarterback with a coach who was a backup quarterback who was the backup option because – McDaniels dipped out on us last minute. I mean, there's that's a rallying cry right there. And the truth is the, the everything around Jacoby still exists. Still one of the best offensive lines. 
still an excellent defense, which wasn't that that wasn't the case just a few years ago. And now Ballard's done a good job at adding Funchess on that one year deal. He's a big body for the end zone. We got Ebron, you got Doyle. There's plenty of targets available. And the fact remains that when Jacoby Brissett took the field in 2017, he'd been on the field for one week. He'd had one week to study the playbook. And it was behind the worst offensive line in the league. So moving forward, I'm still relatively optimistic. I think that the Super Bowl odds are probably pretty low at this point. But um, but I'm still I'm still overall relatively optimistic for the Colts. I think they're still a good football team. I think they still have a winning record. Um, but no, I, I think that uh, the short term has definitely been hampered by this. But But at the end of this all, I want to say... I'm so proud of Luck for making that decision. That had to be the most brutal, agonizing decision a person could ever make as far as their career would ever be concerned. I can't even imagine that. So all the respects to him. I know that he knows exactly what he gave up. And so because of that, I trust his decision for himself. I'm glad he was able to make it. I fully support it, and I will have no bad things to say about Andrew Luck. Yeah, that I mean, I feel like that pretty much echoed what we, we what we were all saying when we talked about this on uh, on Monday. Just the fact that a lot of people, what pissed me off, I guess, and I, I talked about this. If you followed me on Twitter, there was a lot of I was getting into it with a lot of people, a lot of Colts fans. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just stayed away for the day. I had I had to turn it off because it would have been not fun. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I get, I I just don't. I don't necessarily condemn the booing, I guess, is the way to put it, because I do understand that is the raw reaction. When you're sitting there and you're, you're quarterback, the, the future of your franchise, the way you're looking at it at that point, is walking off the field and you just found out he's retiring. I can understand, yeah. especially you're probably a lot of those people have probably enjoying some beverages and everything. So it is. It's a well, raw right. reaction. That's the other part of it. You're right. So I do understand that. What I was uh, mostly upset about is all the people coming at Luck on Twitter after the fact. So we're talking yeah, hours later. Yeah, those guys later. are idiots. Yeah, and yeah. then the those, fact that those guys are idiots anyway. Yeah, that that was what really got me going. The people who said that he he didn't think about it. He's giving up. He's bailing on his teammates. Like ex- what you eloquented so ba- so well there, and and I, I applaud you for it. And that's exactly what I was trying to say was. This had to have been the most gut-wrenching decision of his life. He did not just wake up one morning and say, you know what, now nah, I'm done. I'm done with football. I don't want to play anymore. Like, he's not built yeah, that way right. in my opinion. Yeah, they act like he just changed his mind all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, he doesn't want to be in the running for one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. That's what it was. I mean, it's it's just a really big mess. And you know what? I'm going to get on a tirade here a little bit. That's but this, right. I ahead. really, a little bit of me thinks that this is Ryan Grigson's fault. I don't think, had Ryan Grigson not tore this team apart, I think there's a chance that that Andrew Luck stays on his feet. Maybe it happens. Maybe Andrew Luck's injury prone. I really firmly believe that the team was so mismanaged that Andrew Luck put himself in the situations that hurt him because he's a great competitor, he's a fearless leader, and he's one of the best football players I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Colts fan. I'm saying that because I haven't watched football for as long as some of you guys have. But um, but no, the truth is, Andrew Luck was one of the great ones. I think it was cut short. I think the franchise is partly to blame, and that's where the booing comes from, too. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you 100% on the Grigson thing. I think he is the reason that Luck is in the place where he is now. Had Ballard been there the whole time, or the team was being built the way that Ballard has the past couple years, I think Luck would... This would not even be a question. I personally do not think that Andrew Luck is injury prone. But when you're getting the crap beat out of you for the first couple years of your career the way that he did, 
something like this is bound to happen, and that's why I, I'm I'm with you 100% on the Grigson thing. I, I'm not. I don't think you're a biased Colts fan at all. I would say Andrew Luck is one of the best prospects I've ever seen come out of college, and you can say whatever you want about him, but if you go look at the numbers that he put up the first the first years of his career, he would be a Hall of Famer if you were just to project that out. Like he He's had a phenomenal career right now. He likely won't get into the Hall of Fame because he retired as early as he mm. did. But, I mean, it's, in my opinion right now, watching him play, he was a Hall of Fame quarterback. So I, I'm right you're, there with you. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. You're absolutely right. Andrew Luck probably isn't making the Hall of Fame. Uh, that's a bummer because he – he was what he was promised originally. He did yes. replace Peyton Manning. Incredible. Yeah, I agree with you. So I'm sorry to make you to to relive those emotions and everything, but I did want to get your get your pick. Better to do it at the end of the episode, so you're not just giving every every team a D now when we go in and yeah, do the I'd team give them grade, all so. D's. Everybody yeah. gets a D unless you drafted Andrew Luck. <laughs> all right. Well, seriously, <laughs> both of you, uh, thank you so much for joining me today, and I'm looking forward to doing this every single Thursday. Have yourselves a great day today, guys. We'll see you guys. Yeah, Thanks too. for having me. Who can make a play? I can!